0: Hello and welcome to BBC Good Food's Cook Smart podcast. I'm your host, Malika Basu, a food writer and cookbook author with a passion for clever and efficient home cooking. I'll be speaking to experts in the know with tips, tricks and advice to make us smarter and better in the kitchen. Now, there's no denying the stock increase in the cost of the routine shopping basket. We're going to take a closer look at how to get more bang for your buck with homemade meals. Joining me today is Miguel Barclay, the expert on one pound meals. Miguel, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Now, you've been creating meals for one pound since 2017. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, <laughs> well, I print an Instagram account and then, it, and then it all started.
0: And tell me, how many best selling cookbooks do you have under your belt already?
1: I, I think we're at seven at the moment. Are oh, you sure? Uh... Incorrigible.
0: <laughs> now, tell me what got you started? Where did you find your inspiration?
1: So, for me, like the one pound aspect of it, Isn't isn't the be all and end all for me? It's like a style of cooking. So I I like a sort of like a really relaxed home style, something that people are actually going to cook at home. Uh, And the one pound for me was just like a little sort of uh, challenge that I can throw into the mix just to make it a little bit more exciting for myself. Um, And I just used to plan one pound meals. I used to get spreadsheets out. I used to itemize every single item. Then I used to go to all the websites and find out how much it was and buy the ingredients on the way back from work and and do a little one-pound meal uh, in the evening.
0: And it's incredible to watch because I've always loved the idea and the simplicity of it all. Um, But it's incredible to watch how relevant it's now become, the work you do and the recipes you create. It's very much off the moment, isn't it? It's part of the zeitgeist
1: right now. Like, um, So when I first started back in 2017... Like everyone was interested in what I was doing. And then and then everyone ignored me for a couple of years. And I literally <laughs> had nothing. I remember I didn't work for probably two years. I had two years. Where I didn't have a single bit of work. And then suddenly uh, I'm in demand. So I had like a month the other day where I did 10 radio interviews in one month. Did uh, you? Absolutely crazy. Excellent. Um, but I mean, I've still been churning out the cookbooks throughout that whole time. And to be honest, I'm more of a cookbook author than an influencer or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I've got like a, a like a hardcore group of people that that, that buy my books and, and are interested in what I do, and I sort of closed myself off a bit from from everyone else. But but now everyone else is coming back and poking their nose in, going, "Hey, what have you been doing for the last few years?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, Great. one pound meals."
0: You enjoy the attention, yes. Long may it last, Miguel. That's that's it. Now. Not long ago, everyone was, of course, stockpiling lentils. You remember in the pandemic where everyone went and bought sacks of lentils and then they became dal lovers. And I remember this moment of discovery of dal. It was quite something. And now we're on to beans and pulses is the big thing. So we're now going to talk about ingredients a little bit. But there's more to cooking frugally than chickpeas, isn't there? I mean, can you tell me some of your top principles? What what do you look for? What are your sort of guiding principles
1: Yes, I mean, dal is a great example. Um, something that, as a raw ingredient, is, is very, very, very cheap. Um, and with a little bit of magic, you can turn it into something lovely. Um, so if you wanted to cook on an absolute sort of very, very low budget, something like dal is perfect. Um, but then when you get through to stuff like chickpeas, like obviously, if you really, really, really cook from scratch, you get the, like the proper dried ones and, and stuff like that. But that sort of goes against like what i like to do so if it's if it's going to (laughs) take over 24 hours to make your meal then i'm just not going to do it and 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 it's that sort of honest realistic approach to cooking that people have sort of gravitated towards because like i use a a tin of chickpeas because i can have my chickpea curry done in like 20 minutes flat from from literally walking in the front door to eat in a bowl of, 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 of I don't know, chana masala or something like that. Um, but, but but that's what people like. Like if I wrote a recipe and it started off with soak your chickpeas overnight, like no one's going to do it. And, and I like... I feel I've won when people cook every recipe in one of my books. And, and that's very, very rare for a, for a cookbook author to even get near that. Normally, people cook like three recipes three from a book. Three or
0: four recipes is the average number of recipes yeah. people cook from any given cookbook.
1: Yeah. So I got an email the other day. Someone was on recipe 40. So I've got eighty recipes in it. I
0: know that's amazing. But it's interesting what you say because yes, you know I'm genuinely worried about the cost of um, my shopping basket, but I don't have any less any more time in the day to you know do things to spend cooking or soaking or you know. producing things. In fact, you know, I'm a solopreneur, I'm actually busier than I've ever been. So you do have to balance some of those things out with cost and convenience and speed and all of that, don't you?
1: Yeah, 100%. So your primary focus should be on earning your money and keeping your job <laughs> so if you're gonna if you're gonna be distracted and and uh and, and you've got to spend six hours cooking every day it's gonna eat into your time that you can you can work especially if you're working from home you've really got to stay on the ball because i mean they won't say it but i'm sure they're always looking to cut a few people from a team here and there so you, you you've got to do your nine to five you've got to bank that paycheck and then you can look at the money-saving aspect of of cooking on a budget. Um, So for me, not only does it have to be cheap, but it has to be convenient and it has to be fast. Uh, Otherwise, it's unsustainable. Like, I could... Sort of do like a mega meal that takes a few hours, but I could only do one of those a week, and that's normally a Sunday roast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes,
0: and God, the Sunday roast is very loaded right now, isn't it? The time it takes in the oven, and how you've got to be efficient planning everything that goes into the oven if you're going to use it at all. I was going to actually ask you if you use tinned, bottled, or made from scratch chickpeas, and I'm delighted that you're a fellow tinned chickpea lover. Yeah. Because it, apparently you cannot use any of those things. With without being judged fairly considerably.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I've never been afraid of being judged. And um, and people find that sort of refreshing. Like, I don't apologise for using gravy granules in a stew. I've got a really, really quick stew in one of my cookbooks where... uh, you just thicken the sauce at the end with gravy granules um also <laughs> do that with some noodle dishes as well because you know when you get noodles like from a takeaway th- they put gravy in it they call it gravy it's like a different sort of gravy so uh, a little sort of bit of bit of gravy granules in there is a massive massive shortcut because you, you like obviously like it would be great if you were roasting bones and then boiling them down and making your own gravy and and then reducing that even more to make a syrup that could go in your chow mein sort of dish, then uh, this is this is the way to do it, really. And and it's the only way that someone's ever going to recreate what you've done is if you make it easy for them.
0: I love that it's not judgy at all. And I'd, I'd love to know if your childhood or your family, how you grew up, shaped some of this thinking. Because I come from a culture, obviously, in India, you know, we cook frugally at home as standard. It's not something you do specially. You know, and my mom's visiting at the moment and it's just bringing back all the memories. And also both my Indian cookbooks were very focused on shortcuts and quick and simple and easy and busy living, because that's the reality of how lots of us cook these days. I wonder if some of that, you know, your family, your background shaped how you cook and how you create your recipes.
1: Um, well I had I've got a Spanish mother so we were eating slightly more adventurous food than than the average person uh, where I grew up um so I guess the, the the main thing for that was sort of expanding my food experiences and, and my palate and, and stuff like that so like we used to go to Spain and eat all sorts of weird and wonderful things um I remember she ate, I didn't eat this, and I wasn't there when she ate it, Which she had sheep's brain.
0: Ooh, <laughs> <Yeah>. exciting.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, so I've just got quite an adventurous uh, sort of take on food. And I think that's that shows itself in, in the cookbook. So I don't have chapters or, 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 or sections or anything. It literally just is a mishmash of food from all around the world, uh, cooked for one pound, uh, we like shortcuts, probably offending every single food culture in the world, but, but offending them all equally. So. Outrageous!
0: <laughs> yeah. I object. Um, because it is not just about it, you. You sort of lead with the ingredients, is what I see about your recipe. But it's not just the cost of the ingredients, is it? It's what you do with them. So it's things like an expensive ingredient may be paired with something that's not as expensive. So, you know, in, in the spice trade, we call it bulkers and fillers. But also things like using spices and buying ingredients in bulk if you can, if you have space to house them. Like I've never knowingly bought less than a five kilo sack of basmati rice. Yeah. And I'm not about to start. So, you know, is there some more, are there some more techniques or principles that you use?
1: Well, Quite an interesting thing is to go back to book number one and then, because comp- that was 2017, and then compare it to book number seven, which is this year, uh, and have a look at the difference in, in the recipes. So in book number one, I used a pork chop. which is crazy. Like, how can you use a pork chop and get the meal under a pound? So uh, I used to go to a budget supermarket. They had these things called pork steaks, and you used to get seven of them, and it was probably a couple of quid. Um, so you can have one of those. Um, so obviously, that is totally off the table now. Uh, so I've had to tweak the way that I do it. So now I use m- meat more as a flavour. So it's like an enhancement to the dish, not not the main thing. So when I was growing up, meat and two veg was the the, the real focus. And, and every plate of food had a big chunk of meat and some potatoes and some veg. Um, but you have to sort of think differently now. So if I had to do something with a pork chop, maybe I would do... Um, or a pork steak I do like a stir fry so you only need a few little bits of pork for you to be able to to experience the pork and get the taste of the pork uh, but keep keep the cost down Um, and then that extends to uh, cooking more adventurously so something like a taco is perfect you only need a tiny tiny bit of meat in a taco Uh, And you can bulk it out. So that's sort of the direction that that my uh, cooking's gone. Um, Sort of borrowing more from cultures that use meat more as a flavor than a... Because it's such a British thing, isn't it? Big chunk of meat big steak. It is a very
0: British thing. And, you you know, again, for a lot of cultures, meat only came out at special occasions. It's not something you eat every single day. And yes, there was lots of padding. There were lots of things that went with the meat. And isn't that how we're all supposed to eat now anyway? You know, sort of watch our meat intake, have a really balanced diet, sort of think about portions. So it would make sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've definitely, definitely uh, cut down on my meat Um, And to be honest, I I feel a lot healthier for it. So uh, having a steak is like a real, real special occasion. Uh, And uh, I'm not scared of steaks, but like, uh, like I know that I'm not going to feel as good the day after I have a steak than if I had a vegetable stir fry. So yeah, I, I sort of treat it as a as a Saturday night going out for a treat thing, maybe have some wine with it. Um, but I, I used to not even blink having a steak on a weeknight if someone said, let's go and have a steak. I'd be like, yeah, 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 all right, let's do that. Gosh, but, no, yeah.
0: no, no, we're far too old for that. <laughs> Sorry, Miguel, too old and too sensible. <laughs> yeah. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember, hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Oh. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become?
1: Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
0: Um, uh, let's talk a little bit about making most of what you have lying around already. I'm sure there's a more succinct way of saying that. Yeah. But um, giving store cupboard ingredients a fresh lease of life is what I wanted to talk to you about. So I spotted what you did with lasagna sheets. Oh, yeah. And I'm the queen of half-used jars and bottles of products that are in my <laughs> fridge at store cupboard. That the last count, I had 52 spices. And that terrified me so much. I haven't added the new ones I've acquired on yeah
1: um yeah I mean probably the first step that anyone should do is is, is make an inventory of what you've got like that's that's the stage one because um, a lot of people have stuff they don't even know that they've got in there um and then I guess if you're something you specifically want to use up and or two or three things you you can just go to to the internet, google it like Google's your friend uh I remember I was uh, doing a, uh, a video for, for a student magazine uh, and I made myself sound really old because I was talking about uh, cooking pre-internet because <laughs> I'm old enough that yeah. I was pre-internet and then I thought, no, don't I don't make myself look so old in front of all these you're cool people. you too old. You never um,
0: admit things like that. What's the matter with I know, you?
1: I know, I but, know. Um, but it's true. If you're ever worried, um, what can I do with this and this? And I imagine you've got some apples... and, I don't know, some bacon. I'm sure there's a recipe online somewhere. If you type in apples and bacon recipe, who knows what's going to come up, but something will come up, I can promise you that. Uh, And you can... um and you can make that. So, well, that's yeah.
0: quite interesting because we are on one of our episodes going to talk about meal planning. I think, and that's probably where meal planning could come in quite handy. Sort of just looking at what you've got already and when things are, you know, going out of date or yes. using them up and yeah, putting recipes and the spot of Google research to good use.
1: Yeah. So meal planning is one of the top ones. So um, planning ahead eliminates waste. So waste is your number one, um, enemy uh, when you're cooking on a budget. So if you're going to buy, I don't know, six apples because the, the apples are on offer if you get six of them, but you only eat two of them or three of them, then, then you've really spent double the amount on the apples. So um, so you've got to know what you're cooking. Um, and then also there's 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 sort of traps you can fall into. Like imagine you planned out your whole week, uh, like your whole week. So you've got a sheet of A4 paper, you've written the days of the week, you've planned it all out, and then you go to the shop, and some special offer. There's like a half-price chicken, oh, man, and you get it that. It gets
0: me every time. Yeah,
1: but then it puts your whole week into disarray because you can't like rejig your uh, thing because you, you you sort of. Uh, using leftovers for the following day and stuff like that, uh, you can't rejig your whole week uh, while walking around because you've got to sit down with a pen and a paper to understand what, what you've got left over. So getting distracted and buying something on the fly uh, can oh, cost you is. more money than you actually think it is going to cost.
0: That's quite a tricky one. I also have this mad thing for whoopsies. I love stickered items. <laughs> it ticks so many boxes for me. I can't walk past a whoopsie aisle without having a good old cheque. Um, and, uh, and that always throws me because then you, you see something and then inspiration strikes and you're just like, now what, now what do I do? Because yeah. I have this carefully crafted, but we will talk meal plans uh, at another, on another episode. Where are you at with frozen vegetables and also shortcuts? So yeah. cheats, ingredients.
1: Frozen vegetables, absolutely love. Frozen peas, is probably my top 10 ingredients of all time.
0: Interesting. Mine too, actually.
1: Yeah, really good because obviously the the cooking that I do has to look pretty uh, and frozen peas are a great way to get like a little pop of green vibrancy into a dish. So um, you can just throw in a handful. Imagine you're doing like, I don't know, egg fried rice, throw a handful of peas in there. Not only is it healthy, not only is it going to bulk it out for, for almost no money at all, Um, but it gives a lovely bit of green vibrancy to the dish because you do eat with your eyes and and you want to see that freshness. And then it has the added advantage of getting you away from garnishes because obviously it would be lovely to put some coriander on top of it or some parsley on top of it or some uh, spring onions on top of it. But you don't have to when you use peas because a bunch of coriander, that'll set you back almost a quid and and you probably waste half of it as well. Um, So it's all little shortcuts like that. To, to to get a little bit of uh, vibrancy into your dish. Mm-hmm.
0: I like those bags of mixed, chopped, frozen vegetables as well because it saves a lot of time in chopping and cooking veg, doesn't it? So, yeah. you know, you can put a bag of, like, chopped carrot and beans and everything's in little pieces already and so they can go into palau or, yeah. you know, noodles or fried rice, whatever you're doing, and it massively saves time.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, and... Um, Also, if you've got stuff left over, you can freeze it as well. That's another sort of weapon in your arsenal. So imagine that you were chopping up some carrots and you had some left over. Why not make your own frozen carrots? (laughs) You can pull them out whenever you want. Why
0: don't you make your own everything? That's a loaded (laughs) question. Uh, Frozen onions, would you draw the line at frozen onions?
1: Look, I don't use frozen onions. um, But it's because I... Basically, I don't really think there's too much effort in chopping an onion. Uh, I, I get the really small onions. You know, you get like a big bag for like I don't know, sixty p. Oh like yeah, I know those well. I mean,
0: Miguel, of course, I know the big bags of cheap frozen, cheap fresh
1: yeah. onions. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're perfectly portioned out. So I, I, I normally cook, normally cooking for two or three, so one of those small little onions is perfect for me. Um, but if you're going to use those giant onions that are like I don't know, as big as like. A, Oh, there's Big something about head. the ritual, isn't there? There's a yeah.
0: ritual of cooking. If you're gonna cook, you might you you might start with a chopped onion. It's yeah. quite a nice part of the whole experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, most of my dishes start with onions. <laughs> so it's <laughs> chop an onion, pan fry it, add some garlic. Um
0: it sounds um, look, I thoroughly approve. Are there any shortcuts you would absolutely not touch with the barge bowl?
1: Um You know what? I'm open to everything and everything has its own its own thing. So, like, even the bags of micro- microwave rice, like you're going to be paying, let's say, 10 times more than it would be if you cooked it yourself. But they're there, and they're, they're quick. And if I want to make a quick stir-fry rice, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real sort of help, because if you're going to cook rice and, and leave it overnight so that it's nice and cold for the morning, which is the way that you do stir-fried rice, um, it's already done for you. Like, you can literally rip open the top and put it in a pan and fry it with some onion, and and maybe put some egg in there or something, and it's ready straight away. So that's the that's the toss up really. Like, are you going to go and order a, a, a takeaway, or are you going to buy rice that's ten times as much, but only comes in at sixty p, uh, and then save yourself from ordering a, a fifteen quid takeaway? Um, so everything has its place.
0: Totally, and there's no judgment, is there?
1: No, especially not from me. I, I, I <laughs> Yeah, how I dare you talk.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I bought a quiche the other day from, or uh, well, my wife bought me a quiche from one of those big, uh, the shop that sells bread that's very famous. <laughs> uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was absolutely lovely. And I ate it in two sittings, uh, chopped it in half, I had it for two consecutive lunches. Uh, and it was it was amazing. I really enjoyed it. So. Absolutely.
0: I'm a big, big <laughs> fan of any form of budget, shopping, cooking, and why not? The only shortcuts I draw a line at are bottled ginger and bottled garlic.
1: Ooh, I just yeah.
0: find them a little bit weak. You know, fresh ginger, fresh garlic is just more robust. Yeah. Um, but I do buy them anyway for, you know. For no,
1: you are things. right. Sometimes um, I hate it when there's an acidic taste in the background. Like that really, really gets me. Um, I don't like extra flavors that are there. And uh, yeah, so you're you're right on that. Yeah.
0: Any uh, top advice on um, fish and meat? So uh, chicken on the bone?
1: Yeah, chicken on the bone. That's the way to go. Um, Everyone wants the chicken breast. So imagine everyone's fighting over the chicken breast. So they can, let's say, double the price of it. Um, and then, not, not everyone's fighting over the legs. So, maybe they halve the price of it so that they get whatever price they need for their chicken. Uh, so, take advantage of that. Uh, it's more flavorful. Um, you can do more clever things with it. Like, you can't roast a chicken breast in an oven it would just dry out but you can roast a chicken leg and it's got a lovely skin on it uh and, it, and it's really 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 beautiful flavor uh, something i've started doing a lot recently uh chucking some chicken legs in the slow cooker with with whatever sauce you want and then take the chicken leg out scrape the, the meat off put the meat back in and you get like a pulled pork sort of effect mm. um and then you can make tacos with that so one chicken leg that costs pennies uh, can probably do three tacos, four tacos, uh, whereas one chicken leg, oh, no, sorry, I'm talking about the chicken drumstick. Like that's <laughs> that's how little meat. That's I'm a talking. tiny bit of meat. Yeah, isn't so it? one You're chicken really drumstick can feed really one person this. if you if you put it in a taco, slow sort of slow roast it, flake it off. Um, but they're they're the exciting cuts of meat uh, to to cook with. Um, I
0: love that. And, you know, not everyone, I think we forget that not everyone's feeding a large family. You know, I cook tiny portions of food because it's me and the two kids, basically, and then one's a vegetarian. So doing something like that would make complete sense for me and maybe a little bit extra to freeze for another day. But this idea that you could really max out the chicken on a leg of chicken is quite exciting for me.
1: Yeah. And so one of the things um, with my Instagram... Uh, is that all of the dishes that I'm posting uh, are meals for one so it's one plate of food costs one pound if you look at the ingredients it's just the ingredients for one if you if you want to do it for two then you just double it um and that's quite refreshing because no one's doing that like if you think of all the I don't know, classic cookbooks that you can think of from from the big guys. Um, it's all like feeding four people. Like here's a paella for four, here's a and I've got a paella for one, uh, and and people just sort of. Um like the, the world has changed. The world has changed. A lot of people are cooking for one now. Uh, the world yeah. has
0: really changed, and also catering. Even if you're a small family, catering for different tastes and preferences. So, you know, you do have to think about that. You have to build that into your thinking and meal planning, don't
1: you? Yeah, y- y- you having a vegetarian kid must be. Uh, it's very tough. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's not go there. It's a the moment of trauma. This is where <laughs> this is where we talk about my deep rooted parenting traumas. But um, yes, it's 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 quite devastating. But uh, we are working through it, Miguel. <laughs> And um, you talked about student cooking. And, you know, when I first started cooking, I amassed a whole load of student cookbooks, and they were so uninspired. And then, of course, as time's gone on, you know, the whole student cooking movement has been incredibly inspiring and has become so sophisticated, I think, and especially in our lifetime, Miguel, not to give our age away. But, you know, what can we all learn from student cooks? Because they're the masters of this, budget cooking, cooking well, eating well.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, basically, when you are forced to do something, you adapt and survive, and there's nothing more... Uh, ferocious in the adapt and survive thing than living with your parents and then having to go and, and live by yourself, not knowing what to do and not having any experience. So, um, you come up with ideas and you go with them, and, and you might cook something once that you really like, and then <laughs> you'll cook it every single day for the next year, um, like. You've got to find out what works, uh, and it's always interesting to see what the students are doing. Lots of interesting baked beans recipes, and what was it I saw the other day? Like a toasty with baked beans inside. Oh, that's to get exciting! A, yeah, you get the proper sandwich toaster that really sort of crimps the edges. It crimps the edges.
0: I've got one of those. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah I've got one
1: yeah, of those. So put put some baked beans inside. So get some um, get some cheese, but get some baked beans put it inside.
0: Well, you could put anything in a toasty, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. do like all sub in toasties and like keema matar and all sorts yeah. going to toasties. Oh,
1: I once made this really beautiful uh, ragu, like it was a pulled pork uh, ragu, and I put that in a toasty. You put that in a toasty Yeah, yeah. oh, it was, like, it was like a giant <laughs> ravioli uh, with a bread out, like a bread casing. Uh, and it was absolutely amazing. Really, I do really think nice. there's a
0: lot to be said about putting things in bread. You know, I think yeah. that's massively undervalued and underutilized Decent sandwiches, toasties, paninis, and a panini press. We do that a lot for lunch, just with a little salad. Um, any favourite meals, any recipes you want to mention before I let you go, Miguel? What do people cook? What What are your most popular recipes
1: lasagna. that people return to? Get yourself a lasagna. <gasps> um, like maybe a, a, I do a lovely one-pan lasagna oh, and it's only one layer. So really? it's all cooked in one How pan. How is that
0: even a lasagna? The Italians <laughs> object.
1: <laughs> it's uh, it's a short lasagna. So, uh, okay, not, interesting. It's not, it's not I'm, still, I'm all ears. Yeah, uh, and you sort of have to eat it out of the pan. Yeah. Um, but uh, or you can still serve it up. But basically, it's a one-layer lasagna, and that's that's the easiest, the easiest thing to cook. And for me, it's the tastiest because you got your cheese in there, mm. you got your bechamel sauce, you got your yeah, sort and of bolognese. easy enough to do. Yeah, really, really, really easy. Um, that that was one of the the first one-pound meals that I did uh, was a, was a lasagna. Um, and then I've done, I don't know, every book, I do some crazy take on a lasagna, I did a vegetable lasagna, I've done uh, a pulled chicken lasagna, same as I did with those uh, those tacos. Um, it's just a great meal. Like uh, Italian cooking is my favourite cooking. It's so simple, so honest, uh, so fresh.
0: And pasta. You can eat a different sort of pasta every single day and not get bored of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's definitely something to be said for that. Any favourites in, in the new student cookbook?
1: So the student one is a mishmash of all seven books. So they, they, they just randomly turned around one day, the publishers and said, right, we've got an idea. We're just going to take all of the best recipes from seven books. And we're going to whack them all in, in one little. So it's like a little handheld mini version of a book. Uh, it's got no mm-hmm. photos in it or anything. Uh, it's printed like it's a storybook. Like, a, <laughs> like As in like just on on that paper. That it's like not, not high gloss with, with photos. Uh, and it's just sort of a handbook you can take with you. So you can open it at a random page, get a bit of inspiration, uh, it talks you through the recipe. All my recipes are really 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 simple. List of ingredients are tiny uh, and the methodology is, is is really simple so it just just works well. And I like how
0: it's they're not specific. They're not super specific, are they? They're sort of like fry an onion, then add a bit of garlic. It's yeah. quite intuitive in some
1: ways. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're making a a peanut like a peanut butter noodles is is one of the dishes that I do. Oh,
0: what's that uh, Tell me more?
1: <laughs> well, basically, you just put a big dollop of peanut butter in uh, in the pan, a little bit of soy sauce to, to loosen it, um, and and, and you got yourself like a peanut sauce, a little, little bit like a satay sauce. And then, but there's there's lots of different noodle ones. I do one with um, uh, what's it called? Golden syrup. It's a golden syrup noodle. What do you do with golden syrup? Uh, well, basically, you get all the all the flavours that you need in there. So you get a little bit of garlic, a little bit of chilli, so You fry that up. Um and then you get your noodles that have been mm-hmm. pre-boiled, you throw them in, and then a little bit of golden syrup, a little bit of sesame oil, a little bit of soy sauce. Um, God, and then, that sounds. that's
0: making me really hungry. And then a I'm sorry, of can lime. we stop this now, please? I've had enough.
1: <laughs> and it's got a, a bit of broccoli in there. Um, and um, what happens is, remember I was talking about gravy earlier on, yes. it, it sort of makes that effect, so the sugar like reduces down a little bit and goes extra sticky, and then it's also got a bit of lime in there, so you've got your sweet and you've got mm. your sour, uh, and then it coats the noodles beautifully. Um... And that's, that's sort of... Uh,
0: that's interesting. See, I would have put honey. I would not have thought to crack out the rarely used tube or, it's or fr- it's golden from, uh, syrup.
1: a book called Vegan One Pound Meals. So <laughs> right, uh, I, right. I, I, I'm always a fan, of, a fan of honey. I've got honey in my tea today. Do you? Um, Gosh. But I was just really, for, for six months, I really got into golden syrup as a honey substitute because I was experimenting so much for the, for the vegan book. Uh, and it worked better. Like you get more of a syrupy uh, sort of consistency uh, with golden syrup.
0: Fantastic. So the big takeaway from this, sorry, if I may, is that it's time potentially to take a fresh look at store cupboard ingredients that we already have and just get a bit creative and not worry about being judged. Yeah,
1: and use the shortcuts. Make it easy.
0: Agreed. 100% agreed. Well, Miguel, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming along today.
1: Ah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: Well, that was enlightening. I love talking to Miguel about his £1 meals, And here's his three most genius tips, which I'll definitely be putting into place from now on. No fresh herbs to make colour pop, no problem. Uh, Use frozen peas to add a pop of colour and flavour to meals. And also consider thinking of meat as a flavour rather than the main component of a meal. When you add it to other cheaper ingredients like couscous and salad, you can actually use one chicken drumstick as a taco filling to feed three people. Who knew? Also, my favourite tip is that there's no need to soak the dried version of chickpeas overnight. Tin chickpeas are brilliant for a super quick and inexpensive dinner like a veggie curry and an absolute superstar in my home. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time. Download the BBC Good Food app today and get inspired in your kitchen. Try a three-month free trial and discover more than 15,000 recipes to help you cook your best every day.